welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on internet land and socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. All right, we are officially on the record. We're going to do this TMZ style, Debbie. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask all the hard hitting questions here. <laughs> okay. No, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> so it's been a while. It was good to to see you on on video a little bit before we started. Have you been seeing people? Um, nope, I have not. I have barely left the house. I've yeah. occasionally gone to my studio to grab some supplies, but I'm working at home and staying at home. Can you work at home? Like, can you do what you do at home or do you have to be in the studio? I can do some of what I do at home and that's what I'm doing. I can do uh, patinas and the painting. Um, oh, nice. I worked on some new materials that I can use at home, but there's a lot that I can't do at home. Yeah, that's frustrating. And, and your studio, so you're in Sherman Oaks, where, where's your studio located? Oh, very inconveniently in Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'm sure it's a little bit more affordable down there, right? Um, or maybe, I don't know. Who knows? It's comparable to what most studio space is running. You know, um, it's, it's a nice studio space. It's a decent size for me, and it's clean. It's well lit, all the things that you hope for. So oh, I that's awesome. There. Yeah, I'm still... Um, I've always worked from home. Like I have a studio space, but I've always worked from home. Luckily, I don't need as much space as you, I don't think. But I'm looking forward to having a bigger space as we continue to develop here, my wife and I. But um, so we've known each other for what, like seven years ish? Well, I was trying to figure that out, but you know, probably at least five or six. I was trying to, you have a better memory, I'm sure. Did we meet through Amy or did I meet you? This was back in my drug days, man. The memory's gone. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Um, Yeah, we did meet through Amy, I believe. So Debbie and I both were represented by uh, Amy Delcourt and Art Client Services. Big shout out to Amy out there. And yeah, I think I saw your work when I first walked into her gallery. Remember she had the space on, um, I think, was it Beverly? Oh, Wilshire, she had a story. Wilshire, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I remember walking in to meet her for the first time in person, and I saw your sculpture, like, right there. The one, the woman with the big, like, headdress. Do you know what uh-huh. I'm talking about? Um, I think so. Yeah, and it, uh, it blew me away. I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I, I saw your work before I met you, which was awesome. And then I think you came in when I was loading some work in one time. And and then we met in person there because we were doing we did a show together at that gallery. You remember that? Yes, I do. Yes. I do. So I, so whenever that was, I have no idea which year that was, but I think it was I think it was like 2013 ish. Does that sound right? Oh, I feel like it was probably more like 2014 or 15. 
Oh, okay. Well, maybe maybe my memory's not so good. <laughs> maybe maybe we should trust your memory more. <laughs> no, don't trust mine. <laughs> okay, so we'll we'll just say circa 2014-15. So we've known okay. each other for a little bit. Um, we just came out last time I saw you. I think we went to your my wife and I went to your solo show. Um, was that at shoe, Shoebox at Christine's place? Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that was awesome. And I just saw a little bit of the video from it. Um, what was it called? Strange Circus? Yes. Amazing work. So I just wanted to quickly say, uh, Debbie Corbell is a sculptor and a songwriter, which we'll get to that later. I was also surprised to see, you said something in your bio about movie scripts or, or television scripts? I did for a, a minute and a half, um, write for TV. I've, I've had a few oh, wow. different incarnations, you know? Mm-hmm. As, <clears throat> as artists do a lot of times, right? Yeah, I think we kind of, bounce off the walls and you know why not yeah exactly so is that what you well let's maybe i was gonna do this later but maybe we should get your um origin story in a second but first of all i'm, I'm just going to describe your work a little bit everybody should check out debbie's work it's amazing um but i love i love your sculpture especially the the figures the human figures they almost look like they kind of stepped out of a pop surrealist painting you know, and they're very painterly. They have the texture, the colors. I know you kind of hand paint them afterwards, some of them at least. Um, and I don't know. It just it's just always struck a chord with me. They're kind of funny. They're kind of some of them are a little grotesque, kind of bizarre and sexual. Does that accurately describe yeah. them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You're like you're way off. The interview's over. But yeah. So I guess. Because I'm curious, uh, we haven't known each other too long. So what was your, I always do the origin story. What got you into the art world? What brought you here? Did you, were you raised here? Did you move here from somewhere? I'm one of those, uh, I think, kind of a rare bird that was born here. Um, I'm a native. Oh, wow. Californian. Yeah. I don't know how many you meet, but <laughs> I'm one not, of them. Not many. So California or in LA? In LA, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So and, I would say you're um, the one. Yes, I'm the one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also the one who, you know, probably the only one who doesn't, you know, know any of the right people, you know. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we all <laughs> feel that way, Debbie. One, one of the few who's like not connected. But um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess I've done, you know, I've always been kind of artsy fartsy. Mm -hmm. So I've always been attracted to things that are, you know, creative and, um, probably hard to earn money by doing it you know that's, yes that's, that's for me you know it's like let me see if it's really hard to break into this and if it doesn't you know you can have a hard time doing it so right I'm the same way yeah yes it's like that's that's what you know artists are attracted to yeah it was like my dad when I talked to my dad early on it was like oh, I want to be a an actor a stand-up comedian a uh, basketball player, an artist, and I, you know, musician. I tried all these things, and and it was like none of them were easy to make money. So I completely understand, and I uh, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So that's <laughs> the, that's the kind of things like I mean, I was um when I was in my twenties, I was interested in becoming an actress. So I thought, and um, you know, I had fun, you know, trying it, but nothing ever happened with that. And then I always did you take classes for acting? I did. I did. Nice. Then I started uh, doing some script writing and I'd always written, you know, short stories and poetry and things like that. So that always was able to, you know, kind of weave in and out of my life, depending on what I was doing. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so I wrote a bunch of spec scripts and, um, you know, took some ridiculous meetings and things like that. And nothing really ever happened until finally a family member, you know, married a producer. It's like, thank you. (laughs) I got my spec script to somebody, you know, who could do something. So I sold it. Yeah, just just to pause you, that's a lot of people don't really know that. But I I came down here to be an actor and a painter too. And I I struggled really hard for a while. And, you know, I, I had all the training and I did okay. I did a couple of things here and there. But people don't really realize just how important it is to know somebody, right? It's everything. It's everything. Yeah. I mean, especially in the entertainment industry, be prepared to perform, to do whatever you're saying you're going to do, but you need that chance, you know? Yes. So whether it happens, you know, whether you, you make your own luck or whether it's a little bit of serendipity, you know, how it happens, but you know, you just kind of have to jump on it when it does. And then in the meantime, you just keep working right? Just keep trying to get better at whatever it is you're trying to succeed at. Yeah. Keep your head above water enough to to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to sell a couple scripts to the Tracy Ullman show. Oh, nice. um, So yeah, that was really fun. And that was fun to go to the tapings and see, you know, what I'd worked on brought to life and she's, you know, fantastically talented. So, Oh yeah. That was a great show. It was a great show. And, um, then, you know, I didn't get hired on to be like one of the staff writers. It was just, you know, a couple spec scripts yeah. that sold. And then, I don't know, I think I got distracted. I don't know what happened to me after that exactly. <laughs> and I ended up, uh, you know, at some point, I guess, um, you know, my ovaries started singing and I had kids. Yeah, I hear that happens. <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's really fun, but it's really you know, um, takes your time and energy, you know, and that pretty much was my, my focus for a number of years. And then as they oh, yeah. got older, you know, and had more time to myself, I started, you know, pursuing more artistic things again. I mean, I was always still like writing and maybe doing a little painting or something, but not, not, you know, didn't have much time. It takes a lot of time to do artistic things, right? Oh, you yeah. You have to have undisturbed time. Well, that's why I've been so worried and so hesitant to have kids, um, you know, up until this point, like, I think my wife and I are finally getting really close, but, um, I mean, it took me a long time to get to a point where I felt comfortable. Like I'd established myself enough or a nice, a nice yeah. enough body of work to go, okay, I can start, you know, putting some focus over here. But, yeah. um, yeah, it takes, I, I mean, that's, you're basically talking about my fears. <laughs> well, the fears are real, but the thing that you don't, you know, you can't really see from your side of it is that, um, it's worth it. You know? Yes. Well, it's um, it's hard to know. Like, am I really going to like them that much? You know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> are they are they going to like me that much? Yeah. But, but you do, you do, and it's worth it. And you know what? It's it's just kind of a a temporary segment in a way of your life where they demand you know intense attention, and then yes, kind of grow up, and you know you kind of get them launched to some degree, and um, you know you get your life back. So <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's, it's funny too. I, I've always, like, I try to put myself in that place too. And, and I know that um, I actually have just been thinking about it. You know, maybe it's going to open up a side of myself that I wasn't even, that I didn't know was there, even a creative side that I wasn't even aware of. And so I'm kind of like viewing it from a different perspective now, not a, a perspective of lack, but of something that's going to add something to my life. And I know my wife's already there. She's like, you know, wants it, wants it, wants it. So um, yeah, I think it'll be fun. 
but it's nice to talk to people like you who have the experience and, and can kind of reinforce that. I think you're going to be great parents. You're going to, you're going to enjoy it. So oh, awesome. For it. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, cool. And you, so you have, I won't get too much in your family, but you have how many kids? Two. Two. Okay. And I, I think like a lot more sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure. I think when we were talking once, um, cause you used to come into, remember the restaurant that I used to wait tables at? What was it called? Well, it had a couple of different incarnations, but it was first picnic and then it oh, became yeah. gulp. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or as we used to call it. So um, it became a kind of like gastropub, but I think you came in during the picnic days, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I did. I did. Yeah. And I think we were talking about your, uh, one of your kids and I think they were just going to college or, or something. It was something about university. Well, that, that might have been. They both made it through. So that okay, was, good. Yeah, <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> the memory's still there. See. Yeah. Okay, so then you so you had your kids. Um, so I had my doing, kids, yeah. and then you know, it was kind of limited on what time I could spend. You know, when I wasn't busy doing homework and trifold posters, you know, I was <laughs> time to you know do my own stuff. And then I uh, I did some Chinese brush painting. I was taking some classes doing that, and I was oh, cool. I had, um, I sold you know, a number of paintings doing that. And the teacher that I had was uh, Nan Ray. She's quite well known in that field. She's really a fantastic person and a fantastic teacher. And nice. um, then I ended up taking some sculpting classes and I had some wonderful teachers for that as well. So you were a painter first. I was, a, well, yeah, I was a painter first. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I wouldn't, it, Chinese brush painting is kind of different than, um, it's, it's done with watercolor. And it's not really figurative and it's kind right. of um, impulsive. Like I, you know, it's like you can't change or really correct anything. It, it's, you just kind of run with it, with the energy you have at that moment. And then you're, you're the painting is done. And then you have to learn to live with it. <laughs> yeah. And um, let's see. So then they, and then uh, I was always, you know, again, writing, I was writing, you know, I did a lot of children's stories. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, a big stack of rejection slips on those, which I think I'm going to incorporate into one of my sculptures. <laughs> I think oh, it would you fun. have to, you have to. Debbie, um, I'm sorry, but like you and I have so many overlapping really? music and acting and writing. Like I wrote, I wrote poetry. I wrote, I, I self-published a couple of books. I've got rejection letters saved away too. This is very interesting to me, but you have to, yeah, you have to turn that into a sculpture. I know it would be fun to use, right? Yeah, so, for sure. I probably will. And then, um, I started just with the sculpting and clay and then, you know, kind of a pivotal moment for me was when I went to go see a, an exhibit. Um, <clears throat> there's a gallery, Louvre gallery. Are you familiar with it? Yes. So they, they actually have some really good shows there. I really like that gallery. And I went to go see and they had a Deborah Butterfield opening there and I went and um, if you're not familiar with her work. She does a lot of assemblage work. Uh, mm-hmm. most, I think only horses. I don't really know if she does anything else. Mostly she uses wood and then she casts it in bronze and you have to take it all apart and cast each piece and then have it re- reassembled. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's got a big team of guys that, you know, she can boss around. But <laughs> right. She's got a factory. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. But um, I ended up, I was able to speak to her for a minute. Anyway, she was very nice and I learned a little bit about you know how she does things. So that kind of like set off a light bulb in my head about, using mixed media and mm-hmm. so I immediately went out and got a bunch of wood and started making stuff, you know. 
That's awesome. And, no, I love, that's one thing that I, I mean, I've always been finding and scrounging for materials too. I, I used to go drive the streets of LA and just find stuff in the alleyways and come home, clean it up and turn it into paintings or, you know, assemblage pieces. But um, your work takes that to another level. Um, I love like, especially your horses. I just love, it's so intricate. I mean, the whole package is there when you step back, but when you get close, you could spend hours just looking at all the details of what you put together. So that's, that's very unique. And, and you said you, that idea sparked from her. Yeah, I did. You know, um, her, her work is, um, I would say more spare mm-hmm. than, than the type of thing that comes out of me. Um, and she seems to be more, uh, have, uniform in her use of materials as far as if it's wood it's wood you know I don't see a lot of mixture in, in the things that she does I don't know if she, I haven't seen what she's doing lately so I don't really know but right the stuff that was at that exhibit but um yeah nothing is safe around me so it's <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I mean nothing's safe around any artist I mean especially if you're easily inspired right you, you yeah. just kind of absorb it like a sponge but yeah. but at the same time you take it and you make it your own it's not like you're completely copying somebody else's style. You've, you've taken it and you've made it into Debbie Corbell style. Well, I think so. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. You, you can recognize any mark of a good artist is if you can recognize somebody's work. The moment you see a little snap of it on Instagram, I always know it's your work. And Thanks. that's, that's you know, one of the highest compliments you can pay an artist. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. And then, so I was watching a little, one of your interviews, um, in preparation for this and you were showing the, the clowns, you know, the kissing clowns, uh-huh. which I love one of my favorite pieces of yours. And so those are, I noticed the one that you had in there, it was kind of intricate. It was almost like one of them was mounted on like a fan and some, and you had a bunch of metal and steel and stuff like that around there. But I've also noticed there are other iterations of this too. So do you, did you kind of make a cast of just the heads and then you, you play with that after that or, or, or how does your process work? Um, that's right. So it's sculpted in clay mm-hmm. and then a mold is made and then, um, they're cast in your material of choice. So I do a lot of bronze and then they're mm-hmm. welded to the bases and then all of the mixed media stuff is welded on and then everything's painted. So just say like on, on average, a piece like that, how long does it take you? Oh, that one probably takes three or four months. You know, because I'm I'm not doing every single thing myself. So the welding, I have a welder that I work with and I Mm -hmm. tell him where I want it welded and stand there and he does that piece. And I hold it or cut it or whatever and tell him I weld that right there. So that's still an an intense process. A lot of different stages. It is. There's a lot of stages. It's slow. It's not, um, it's not as satisfying as painting in a way because you, know, right. you can do it all yourself and you can get it done pretty quickly. Even if you're doing something kind of complex, maybe a week or two, you know, yeah. if you really put your shoulder to the grindstone, you know? So, sure. And the only thing that sometimes sucks is the, the drying period, right. depending on how textured it is. But yeah, you, as far as the creation of it, you could knock something like a huge piece out in an afternoon if you want. Right, right. Yeah. But I, I also like that you, after they're cast, you hand paint them, right? Do you use oil yeah. and, and acrylic? Um, well, so I use oil on the bronze pieces because the acrylic won't stay on there. Oh, interesting. But yeah, so you have to use oil. So then you have to wait, you know, like three days between each layer. Mm-hmm. So that also adds to the, the time frame of when you're making something because the stuff has a lot of layers on it. Yeah. And if, if I cast it in um, 
this other material resin, then I can paint it with acrylic and then, you know, I can just use a hairdryer and, and dry the layers in between. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. Acrylic's so much faster. Yeah. I've been dabbling with acrylic now too. I, I used to be, I'm, I'm an oil painter, but now I've been kind of falling in love with acrylic. It's just so much easier and faster to work with. I mean, I love, I love aspects of each, you know, but I just wish I could take the drying time and, and apply that to oils. Interestingly, you know, acrylic seems to stain your clothes just as badly. You know, yeah. I, have a, I have a full wardrobe, a full point paint wardrobe. Right. If you don't catch it fast enough, like if you yeah. catch it right away and you get it off there, it's fine. But if you let it dry, nope, you're, you're done. I always think, you know, oh, I'm not going to be that messy. I can do this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing that for me, um, my wife always she likes that, I guess, because I work from home. Um, I've always had like my studio in our place and I'm just very meticulous about being clean because when I started out, I, I sometimes I would have to paint my kitchen. Like I'd have to build up my studio each time I painted, but it was also functioning as my kitchen. So I was like, I have to keep this clean. And that just kind of carried over. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to a time where I can just be completely dirty and not worry about it. So did you always have, um, like a separate studio was that, or was that something you kind of progressed to? I progressed to that, you know, um, it was kind of interesting when you finally give yourself permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I think I'm worthy to have this. Sure. So um, that was a, a big step and a great step. Yeah. So. Well, it's also, um, it depends too on, on uh, the monetary situation. And yeah. like, I, I know certain people who have like, I, I know this painter, Harry Moody, you probably are familiar with him. He's got this huge, huge studio and he got a really great deal on it. But any st- a studio space like that, it's almost like an airplane hangar. It's so big. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, um, but if you were to get to a place like that now, depending on the location, I mean, that could, that could be like $15,000 a month, you know? Um, yeah. Where was your first studio that you rented? Uh, it was housed inside of a sculpture studio that taught classes and I rented a little space in there. Oh, perfect. And then now I'm in a place called Hawthorne Arts Center, Arts Complex, actually. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's a complex, there's a hundred artists and there's just like little, um, dividing walls. They're not studios with ceilings, you know, so it's, you get different sized rooms there, but it's, it's clean. There's parking. It's well lit. It's, uh. It's nice to be with other people. However, now, of course, I'm, I'm not able to utilize that. I, I may go in there and work a little bit at night, like when nobody's there. Yeah. Um, but I just don't want to be uh, around people right now. I can't. I know. It's, it's changing everything. But then it's frustrating, too, because you see other people who are just like, what? Well, whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm just going to live my life the way I've been living it. it. Sometimes it makes me feel like, you know, you're familiar with the term FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a different iteration of, of FOMO. I feel like I'm missing out on all these things that other artists are doing, or they're going out, they're going to shows or whatnot. But really, I think it's just in your brain. Oops, There's not you, many people that are doing it. You, you cut out there for a moment. Okay, I hear you. Now. Oh, did I? Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying that there's, it's like FOMO from an, like an artist perspective. It's like you see people going to shows and, or working in studios, but your brain kind of convinces you that everybody else is out there living their lives and doing all this stuff. But, but really, they're not. No, I think most people are being pretty cautious. So I think so too. But so with your studio, you like the energy of working around other people. Does it give you ideas or do you just like the kind of the, just being around people? Um, not for ideas, really. I, there aren't that many sculptors there. More for the social aspect. 
Yeah. Not, you know, being an artist is pretty solitary in general. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and also, I've, I've met people there who I can buy things from. I have uh, someone there who makes wood bases for me. There's, you know, things like that. You meet people. Oh, that's nice. In that regard, it's nice. It's nice just to, you know, come out of your hole. <laughs> well, see human being, so it's, what are you talking about, Debbie? I like my hole. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, you know, you're in there like for many hours at a time. You know? Oh, my God. So it's, it's nice to, you know, go get a beer or something, you know? Yeah. No, it is. And also just, just to be able to talk to other artists and to bounce ideas off of them. I don't know if you use it. Like I know certain people who work in a kind of studio uh, situation like you have, they do almost like critiques, like little studio visits where people will come in and critique. Do you do that or is it more just kind of friendly? It's more just kind of friendly, although I'm sure I have seen that kind of thing go on. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's enough people there. You could set up whatever you were interested in doing. I tend to just work. (laughs) I'm like intense, you know, I like get in there and work, you know. (laughs) Put your head down and work. Yeah, yeah. But do people, um, do you let people come in? I was talking to Scott Meskel and he says people just kind of show up at his studio. Do you let people come in or do you kind of just lock your door and, and uh, well, focus? We have the door open and I'm, you know, happy to see somebody come in and mm-hmm. you know, break and look at what I'm doing. And I have to walk down a hall to the restroom so I can see another people's studio. So I might poke my head in and say hi or see what they're doing, you know. So it's, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're missing that right now. I am. Um, you know, just it's like kind of like being on an island right now, right? <laughs> it is. Well, I'm have you for social media? Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. Have you have you kind of tried to replace that with um, online stuff like social media? Have you spent more time on Instagram, for example? Um, are you doing more virtual openings, things like that? I am. I'm doing. Um, you know, I am applying to more online shows, and I mm-hmm. have been. Um, you know, I'm not as adept as you, but I'm, you know, doing more posting on Instagram, trying to improve those skills. Yeah. I've noticed that. Have you? I'm trying. Instagram game, Debbie. (laughs) A little bit, (laughs) a little bit of an Instagram game. I always feel like a little self-conscious, like, you know, we really need to hear from her again. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I think that's, this is important. I feel the same way. And when I first started, I, I actually hate social media. It's something that I've forced myself to do because I just saw the benefit of it. I saw that it had all this potential, you know, um, and I was seeing other people kind of killing it and, and make, you know, making sales off Instagram. And I was like, all right, I guess I just have to play the game a little bit. I went through a very long 10, 12 year period where I just didn't do any of that stuff. Like I know, I know back in the day we didn't have Instagram, but I was just not very social. I just put my head down worked and I would get some shows here and there and and then that was it. But I just, I, once I started kind of focusing on like the business aspect of, of, of art, I was like, okay, I gotta, I just got out my game if I want to make online art sales. And so far it's been working, but the more you do, you kind of have to keep up at that level. So it, it kind of becomes pretty intense. Yeah. But I've it's nice talking. to see your stuff. If, if for nothing else, I like to see more of your work, which is great. Well, thank you. Yeah. So are you doing, um, staying on that topic a little bit, are you doing more uh, online sales? Or are you trying to stick with kind of galleries and, and like studio stuff? Uh, you know, I'm happy to sell however it works out. Um, if you want to visit the studio or, or online, you know, it's uh, or, or through galleries. But do you do any, do you take part in any different kind of um, art marketplaces online or do you pretty much uh, focus on 
on like the galleries represent you? Um, I've been primarily doing it through the galleries. I am on Saatchi, but I'm not good about it. So I, that's one area that I probably need to see. One thing about Saatchi um, for painters, I think it's very good because they'll provide prints and all that for you. Right. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> makes it easy. Um, Although I've only sold one print, if that really? helps. Yeah. <laughs> I sold a lot more originals than prints. Really? Well, yeah. To know. Okay. I actually think if you're going to do one, uh, Sachi, it's hard because Sachi, you can do a lot of work on Sachi and then feel like nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden something will happen, you know, but I actually think it's a pretty good resource for, for, for sculptors, actually. Uh, there's a lot of really good sculptors on there. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe give it a shot. I mean, you know, I think you're doing fine without it, but if you wanted to, I think that's a good resource. Maybe I should pay a little more attention to it. I've been trying to, you know, obviously watch more YouTube videos on how to improve, you know, Instagram posting and all Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's what I've been talking about a lot because I actually started this podcast right before the pandemic hit. And it was just interesting to see how kind of some of the people that were already really doing well online, it was like, there wasn't much of a change. But then there was a lot of the brick and mortar galleries, a lot of the people who didn't have much of an online game. It was like a, a rush to kind of catch up. And now everybody's doing online. Everybody's doing virtual openings like Shockbox. We're doing a bunch of virtual openings and they've actually been very successful. So it's, it's a cool avenue for us to pursue, I think, as artists. And I'm not sure how I'm not sure when all this is over, if it's going to go back to how it was before, if it's going to be some kind of hybrid. I think it'll be a hybrid because. Yeah. Why would people undo what they've created? So they'll, you know, they'll use every avenue that works. I think it'll keep going. And don't you think maybe the collector's expectations have changed a bit too? You cut out. I'm sorry. Oh, that's weird. Um, Sorry. No, uh, I think the collector's expectations have changed a bit too. Like, I think they'll become a little more comfortable with doing stuff online. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be all be online, but there's definitely going to be a focus uh, on that moving forward. Yeah, I think it'll it'll remain a, a part of it. I mean, obviously nothing replaces, you know, the the social atmosphere and the fun of going to openings and yes. seeing something in person and, you know, looking at the texture up close and all that. Yeah, you can't replace that. And it's nice to be able to get, you know, in person and, and talk to the artists. I mean, I think Shockbox is doing a cool thing with the virtual openings where they're having, they're highlighting the group shows, the pieces, and then letting the artist speak. So everybody who's there in the virtual opening is getting a chance to actually listen to the artist speak, which, you know, sometimes you go to a show and, and you're cornered by a couple of people for an hour, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. giving more people a chance to listen, but yeah, but it does have, it has its pros and cons. But um, I was looking over your website and I've seen it before, but I love your website. It's uh, it's very playful and, and well done. You've got great sections here. I was looking at your awards. So you've won quite a bit of awards. Crocker Kingsley Annual Exhibition, Light Space Time Exhibition, well, second place, Tag Gallery, second place, Bowerstock Gallery, uh, first place, Creative Quarterly Magazine, first place, runner-up, a couple of those. That's awesome. Those are Thank just like, kind of like a feather a feather in your cap, right? Thank you, yes. It's always nice to get a little, you know, affirmation. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you know from all the rejections <laughs> with writing, it's kind of nice to see the other side of that sometimes. I wanted to get to the Steven Tyler story because I thought that was very exciting when I saw it. And I was wondering if you could tell us the story. 
Well, I, I wish there was more of a story to tell, but that's, <laughs> I, I didn't get to meet him or anything. You can just make it up, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll make something. He was fabulous. We got <laughs> Stephen and I are like this. We're having yeah. lunch tomorrow. Um, well, actually, my work is represented in a place called Church Boutique, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic venue. It's a, it's a store, but it's also a gallery and the the cater to a very high-end clientele. And very is that the one in, near Palm Springs or is it in No, LA? that's out here. Oh, okay. Boston. Yeah. And uh, he's one of their customers and came in and um, liked the piece and, and bought it. It ended up being uh, featured on a TV show where he was interviewed Yes. Um, by Harvey Levin, uh, but they couldn't show the front of the piece. It's a little too, too graphic too for TV, but um, yeah, so it was great. Yeah, I don't want to show any uh, anything sexual, but you know, if you, you can blow somebody's head off on on television, that's no problem. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you. I watched. I've watched the interview a couple times. It's awesome. I mean, yeah, they they don't show the whole piece, but you get enough of an idea. Like I knew it was yours right when I saw it. And um, if anybody wants to check that out, you can see it on uh, Debbie Corbell's uh, website. It's just what www.debbiecorbell.com. Yeah, I will tell you, there is one funny aspect to that story. I didn't know it was, you know, he was going to be featured on TV. I was eating dinner with my husband and I nearly choked. I was watching the news and there's something <laughs> that came on and go, oh my God, that's that's my piece on TV. Look at that. You know, that's, that part was funny. So they didn't tell you that was going to air? No. Oh my God. No, I didn't that's, that's serendipitous <laughs> that you were actually yeah. watching that channel. Yeah. At the- <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it's just weird. You know, we just turned it on. There was. There was. That's so cool. That's yeah. like the artist dream, you know. You want to be just sitting there, and all of a sudden, this this piece comes on about you. I'm wondering if it's if you've seen the benefits of a story like that being on TV. A high profile collector has that added to your sales at all, or or um... you know, I wish I could say yes. Um, I think it probably made like a little blip, but mm-hmm. I think. It takes a number of, you know, celebrity purchases and, and again, you know, some serendipitous happenings, some luck, some other people to see it. or So you just kind of, again, take that as another feather in your cap, right? And, and keep working. Oh, yeah. No, it's funny because um, I don't know how much you know about me, but back when I was doing pop surrealism, I got this Obama gig and I got to do like 12 paintings of the president and I went and they were distributed to like high, high end celebrities like Ed Harris and Ashley Judd and all these people who attended. And I got to meet a bunch of them. And wow. I remember at the time going like, I've made it, Debbie. I am, I'm like, <laughs> this is, this is over, you know, like yeah. all my panties are going to be sold when I get back. Yeah. It was, Oprah was supposed to do a piece on it. I was like, this is it. And so I went to the thing. I had a great time. I met all these people got some pictures. And then I came back home and I just went back to my shit job <laughs> waiting tables and literally nothing happened. I had like a, an interview. I just didn't know what to do with it. You know, I didn't have like a publicist or I didn't know how to write a press release. I didn't know any of that stuff. So it just was like, okay, now I'm just back to being the person I was before. Yeah. It's, it takes, I think a few of those to kind of parlay it into something. Um, yes. And, and you just, you just have to keep working. That's all. That's just. Well, that's the greatest lesson I think is I think, I think people, you know, they watch that on, on the movies or on TV and they expect kind of like one thing to hit and then, Oh, it's the fast track track to success. But for me, I'm, I'm happy it happened the way it did because 
I just kept working. I had a couple of those and none of them turned out to really anything. And um, other than the experience, which was great, but then you just learn to, okay, well, just put back on the working cap and, and keep working. You know? Yeah, it, it is a, more of a fairy tale. I, think. I guess it does happen that way for some people. Maybe they have one stroke of luck and get one, you know, celebrity to buy something and it, you know, opens up a whole new audience. But yeah, yeah. And I think we I think that's probably what it is we see those stories as artists because those are the ones that they highlight. So you just go, oh, that's what needs to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. Um, okay. So I want to get to your songwriting, but we have a little okay. cut off here. Um, okay. they, they cut you off on zoom after 40 minutes. So okay. I'm going to just make sure we got this audio. Uh, give me one second here. And we're back with Debbie Corbell. So uh, I do, what if I just do the rest of it as another person? Do you think anybody will listen? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, if that's any indication, Debbie, no. So we wanted to talk. You reminded me, I was going to ask you earlier, the last uh, podcast episode was about haters and naysayers. And you told me that you have a funny story about some uh, recent haters, right? Um, well, yeah, I have not had any experience really with um, people hating my artwork, you know, and letting me know about it so directly right. as, I, as I did recently about, I don't know, a week or so ago. I was on a, I posted some things on an um, Instagram curatorial feed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at first I was pretty shocked, you know. I got, wait, wait, this was on Instagram? Yeah. Wow, that's normally like the most polite uh, social media resource. Anyway, keep going, sorry. So, um, I mean, I got a lot of, you know, nice comments too, but I didn't yeah. even know that I, like all this vitriolic stuff was coming in. My son like sent me something and he goes, you better look at this. Oh <laughs> my God. I went, what? You know, so I'll just, I'll just read you. Um, oh, this is great. Okay. Read you some of the things that were said. Um, this is disgusting work and posting work like this is exactly part of the problem. Uh-huh. The work is ugly. Art is for inspiration, not to vomit one's mental illness on the public. Whoa. (laughs) Oh, my God, Debbie, get a life. And by life, I mean get a sex life. Hello. Someone put icons of people throwing up. Really? Um, Yeah. Thumbs down. It hurts to look at. No aesthetic or commentary value. Um, It burns my eyes. Um, Wait, wait, these are all like separate people? Uh, no, well, there's like a couple that kind of came after me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what typically um, happens. Okay. Low class. This is not art. And then my favorite one, I think, is Ms. Corbell. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I just got called into the principal's office. <laughs> right. <laughs> clearly has no understanding of the male genitalia and is clearly misrepresenting it, depicting Aww. it, in quotes, it has to be done by someone with more experience and knowledge. So. Wow. Even putting some of these on my website. You've got to do it. You go, oh my God, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because obviously these people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I think the person who was saying about the genitalia, I think we know what happened there. You hit a little well, too close to home. Well, <laughs> you know I, I, mean? I thought that was a funny thing. It's like, well, you know, I've had two kids. I must have seen something. You know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. I recognize this. I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah, it's an interesting experience, and I was surprised. Um, usually, you know, you think you just scroll past something if you're not interested or whatever. But no, they, this was, you know, definitely ruffled some feathers. Yeah, well, that's what you'd think, right? I, I was sharing some stories about some people who whose work is obviously 
amazing. And I, I consider your work amazing too. I, obviously, these were some of the ones that were a little more uh, sexual, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah provocative. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's what it is. It's just people aren't, aren't comfortable. They don't realize uh, that's what art is supposed to be. But, um, but yeah, I mean, some of these people who were, that, that are not, they're more objectively kind of easily accessible to like a wide audience, right? Um, and, and it was the same thing. People just go on after them. Like they just had to let it be known that they just hated everything. I hate the world. I hate, I hate you. I had a person tell me that stuff and just hound me for, for weeks on eBay. And, horrible. and yeah, they were basically telling me like, I need, I should die. I'm like, wow, this is not a, this is, this is crossed over into something pretty, pretty intense, but, yeah. um, wow. Well, I'm sorry that happened, but thank you for sharing it. <laughs> because anyway, I just try to make light of it and it did strike me funny after I recovered from the initial shock, you know? Yeah. Well, but you know, I mean, you've had enough acclaim at this point. That's the thing too, is these people just don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I mean, who knows what is, is uh, kind of fueling this behavior with them. I mean, obviously the person who said your own mental, you know, whatever they said, your own mental disorder, um, that's a little bit of a projection probably, you know, Um but yeah, I just it, it never ceases to amaze me. If you don't like something, just move on. You don't need to let it be. This is not a Yelp review of a restaurant that you didn't like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I, I just, I can't stand it. But anyway, so, thank you for sharing great. that. I'm sure, you know, the other artists out there listening have probably had stuff happen too. So you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. No, it's cathartic for everybody because you, you've done a lot with your work and, and you have, you know, quite a bit of notoriety and people are even coming after you. So it happens to everybody, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, but let's get into something more fun, which okay. is uh, something I didn't know about you. Although I did start seeing things being posted on Instagram. What, <clears throat> what's the deal with the songwriting? So uh, I've always written poetry also, mm-hmm. like you. So, and I thought it would be, you know, an interesting thing to do and possibly a way to monetize it will be to, you know, do song lyrics. So I ended up taking a couple classes at UCLA extension on songwriting and production and all that stuff. And um, I ended up meeting my partner there. Um, When I first met him, I was in the class and I was uh, partnered up with him. He's Brazilian. His name is Paulo Sabrihi. Mm -hmm. And I was partnered up with another Brazilian guy as well. And um, I came home and I told my husband, I said, I don't know how this is going to work. We don't understand each other. I don't know how this is going to work out. But um, (laughs) I guess, uh, you know, things, you know, you can surprise you because now, you know, we're, we're very compatible and um, we've written a number of songs together. We're hoping we, what we do is we write songs and mm-hmm. fully produce demos with the hopes that they'll be picked up and recorded by, you know, uh, other artists. Yeah. So now is it Paolo who's singing these two? Yes. Oh, He's cool. A very talented musician. And uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. And we have a lot of uh, songs in, in various genres, everything from country, pop, trap, you know, er- everything. So, and I'm actually, we have a bunch of stuff posted on um, SoundCloud. And this week I've been working on creating a YouTube channel. So I've been busy with that. I've got you and me two, both. two songs on there so far. So it's complicated with the formatting. I'm using another app to format the videos. Um, wh- what are you doing on YouTube? Uh, I will, first of all, I have the podcast on there, but I've just been doing some kind of, I was going to say earlier, like a lot of the stuff that you're, you're acting, you're, uh, you're writing all this stuff. It kind of comes full circle if you, if you're in the art business long enough. And that's how I feel with my acting. It's kind of become, I've been making these kind of creative videos that are 
they're, they are artistic. Like some of them are me in the studio, like tutorials and stuff, but then others are almost like just artistic kind of short, either funny, like humorous videos or just very bizarre kind of pop surrealist type videos of me in the studio or me with my alter ego. And yeah, it's fun. I've been getting a pretty good response so far. Um, But when you put yours up, let me know. I'll I'll come over and and subscribe to you. Okay. Thank you. I will. I'll post it on um, in my social media when I get it finished being organized. I have to do everything like three times because I do everything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know the feeling. Then I have to delete it and start all over again because I see, oh, that's all wrong, you know. So, oh yeah, I know. Yeah, because you can't like go back in once you once you published it. You have to like yeah. actually take it down and redo it. Yep. I have a couple of mistakes in mine, and honestly, I was just like, fuck it. It, it is the way it is. <laughs> yeah. but that's different with music. Um, I, so you can also see in, until the YouTube is up, you can see some of them on your video and on your Instagram, right? Um, yes, and. Um, and on SoundCloud. So it would be under PD songwriting on mm-hmm. SoundCloud. And I've actually, so the YouTube channel is up. I've only got two songs on there so far, but that's also under PD songwriting. PD songwriting. Okay. <laughs> and they can check it out also on my Instagram. I've got some of the songs up on there. Is it all together PD songwriting or is there any hyphens or anything? Uh, um, PD is together. And then there's a space songwriting. Okay. Great. Yeah. Just a little side note. You told me that the other day, PD songwriting. And I was like, what does that mean? I was like, is that like pandemic songwriting? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So are you, have you been doing this uh, kind of virtually like from your separate studios during the pandemic? Now, unfortunately we are. So we're working over FaceTime, you know, which is not the best audio way to work. Uh, but it, it's okay. We're managing. We're experienced enough uh, working together that it's been okay. Nice. So, um, and I, I love creating it. It's, it's a blast. That's so awesome. Well, and it's also, it's cool because it gives you another avenue right now to yeah. focus on. Yes. And it's something I can do, you know, without materials with just my head. And he's got a studio at home, so he can mix everything and we used to just work at, at his house, so, but now it's on FaceTime, but it's okay. That's awesome. Well, I honestly, I think um, I've, I've watched and listened to about four or five of them, and I really like them. I, what was the one, uh, Kidnapped? Is that one of your most recent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that, that piece. Um, is it something where you could actually monetize it now in the form it's in, or you're actually just kind of trying to get it picked up by somebody? We're trying to get it picked up. Some of the songs are... are produced in a way that they're very polished mm-hmm. and some of them are just produced more in a demo stage where they wouldn't really be suitable to put on a, a platform that sells. So uh, we're kind of sticking on, on the focus of, of producing them, you know, to a degree that they'd be appropriate for demos. We have uh, someone who's interested in putting them on into a music library where they use, you know, for uh, TV shows and stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. And actually I'm going to get my first, independent film credit with the music that's coming up soon <laughs> it's oh really a couple of them on there so yeah wait, wait, wait what's this all about you gotta, you gotta tell us so uh paulo uh, does a lot of sound editing and stuff that's his day job uh-huh. and he's working with this brazilian producer he's actually a comedian in brazil he's well known there and he's making a little independent film and you know he's going to use a couple of our songs so oh that's so cool be cool yeah there you go. See yep. another roundabout thing. So we'll see. You know, we, you know, we just keep, uh, you know, look, just keep throwing it on the wall and you see what sticks, right? So That's so true. 
<laughs> so true. And, 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 you know, it's, I was talking to Mike about this the other day, Mike Collins, and um, he was saying, well, you know, throw it on the wall and see what sticks. And I was like, well, yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe, maybe a bunch of it'll stick, but also I think you enjoy doing it too, right? Yes, absolutely. So I, that's I like a lot of pleasure, just the same kind of pleasure you get from making a good painting or a sculpture yeah. or, you know, feeling satisfied with a poem or anything else. I mean, there's certainly, you know, it, it, that brings me to thinking about people often ask me like, you know, do you hate to sell your work? And um, no, because you know what, after I make it, I'm kind of done. Yeah. You spent your, your time yeah. with yeah. it. Yeah. Well, and also don't you think I, I've talked to somebody else about this too. Um, I used to, like when I had 10 or 20 pieces and it was kind of like my identity, it was hard. It was almost like they were my kids, but you start to get so much work too after a while. It's like, it becomes practical almost to start selling, yeah. right? <clears throat> yeah. So it's not just, it's not just that you've had your time with it, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we're doing. We're, we're hopefully we're trying to uh, influence and inspire other people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm really excited about the songwriting. That's fun. Um, so have you always had this in you or was this just kind of recent? I know the poetry you, you've had. Uh, the poetry I've had, I've you know been writing poetry since I was a teenager. So, you know, um, that was a natural transition. And I don't know why it took me so long to figure out what to do with it, but it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, poetry is kind of a hard medium too, right? It's not something that is easy for people to access typically and also to monetize. I mean, if yeah. there's only a few poets like I love Bukowski. He's one of the few poets that actually did well, but it took him what 40 years before he <laughs> gained any recognition for his work. Um, yeah. So putting it into a song format, it just kind of makes sense. It, it does. I mean, it's not exactly poetry, but it certainly, you know, lends itself to that. And I do use poetry in some of my sculpture. I incorporate the poetry. And so I have yeah. to make- yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, like the backdrop you had when we started was the three-legged dog and you had a little bit of, you know, you yeah, incorporated yeah, some yeah, words into yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, I love seeing your stuff in person because you just, you can spend so much time with a piece and just discover different things as you walk around it. So anyway, I'm a big fan. Thank you. I, I'm a big fan. So um, well, we already talked about your origin story. I have this. Did I? Did we leave anything out? Did we not connect any dots with the origin story? Oh, I think we're we're, we're pretty connected. Okay, um, good. <laughs> okay, good. Well, just <laughs> shout out at me and and interrupt yeah. me if 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 you think of something. Okay. But one of the things that I um I ask like origin story because I'm I've, I'm not sure if you've listened to many of these interviews, but um I always kind of think of artists a little bit like superheroes because you're you're doing something against all odds that, you know, a lot of people can't do. So going along with that, what is like a superpower or kind of a secret weapon that you have for creativity? And, and by that, I mean, if you're in one of those periods where you're just blocked or you're not, maybe you're not blocked, but you're having a hard time coming up with ideas or whatever, what, is there something that you do to kind of get yourself into that mindset to create? Well, I would say the biggest thing that I have to avoid if I want to create something is anxiety because mm-hmm. for me, anxiety is like a creativity killer. It's you an know? everything killer. Yeah. It's just, um, so if I'm feeling, you know, really uptight, I'm certainly not going to be creative that day. Yeah. You know, I'm just, you know, getting through the day. But um, other than that, if I feel calm, you know, if my life is calm, um, I find inspiration and maybe even just something funny somebody said or 
something clicks in my brain or I see, you know, an odd fragment of something and if it reminds me of a figure of some sort or, mm-hmm. you know, the inspiration comes, I think, you know, just, try, I guess, just trying to be calm. That's the superpower, you know, just to try to stay, you know, un, unfrazzled, you know, if you, if you let yourself get too wound up, um, you're not going to hear or see it. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I also have anxiety and I think fear and anxiety are pretty much the biggest killers to everything. Creativity, just forward momentum. So I just learned to kind of push through that. But so is there anything you do, for example, like, do you meditate? Do you, do you take, uh, uh, what's it called? (laughs) Yeah, drugs. No, what am I, why, why am I blanking on this? It's the, uh, it's like the hit thing right now. It's not THC, but they put it in everything. Whatever it is, I don't do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. It's completely legal, Debbie. It's not, it's not, uh, you don't that buy it on the street that corner. Stop me. That wouldn't stop me. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> well, but do you, like for me, I know I do meditation and deep breathing. Is there, do you do anything like that or take a walk or, you know, exercise? Well, I mean, I try to exercise regularly and I guess I always look for a laugh, you know. I mean, if you talk to your friends or, you know, find something to laugh about that really diffuses that kind of energy, right? Yeah. It gets you out of your own head too. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing that the other day. I was, I was having a real strong bout of anxiety and I was so busy because I've like taken on way too many projects and, and then Mike called me out of the blue and I was like, I don't have time to talk. And then I answered and and we ended up talking for like 40 minutes and all of a sudden I was fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, okay. I just needed to talk to somebody and get out of my own head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Do you have any advice to young Debbie? If you were looking back at yourself, like as you're getting about ready to get started doing whatever you are creativity or creativity wise, like acting, whatever, whatever it was you were getting into at the time, do you have any advice um, looking back after all these years of, of learning how to be an artist? I think I what I would tell myself is, you know, stop looking out for outward, you know, for uh, people to tell you that you're good enough to do something or that it's the right thing to do. You have to block that noise out, you know, and it's hard to do when you're young because you're like, keep looking for role models, you know, how you should succeed. So I guess I would tell myself to try to block out more the external noise, you know, of, of other people telling you, you should do this and you should do that. I like it. That's so good. And I think even more important nowadays with social media, right? There's so much noise. I can't even imagine being a kid right now. Can you? Yeah, it, w- it would be hard because, uh, you know, it looks like everybody's having these perfect lives, right? On, on yeah. Social media, and we know that's not the case. It's definitely not the case. And I mean, I see this you could new phone. Fun- oh, I, I could. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh-huh. I've. Uh, I've recognized this phenomenon recently that's happened a lot where you'll see a kid, you know, in the mall or, or wherever by a pool, by, by the ocean, and they just look super depressed. And then they take their phone out and they like point it at themselves and take a selfie. And all of a sudden they come alive, like, Oh my God, I'm having the best time ever. And then they take the picture and then they go right back down. Wow. That's kind of scary. That's very scary. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It, It makes me, it makes me feel really bad because as a kid, you're already dealing with so many insecurities. And then, you know, as an artist also, even more, pile on the insecurities. So I think what you said about kind of filtering out the noise is, is really poignant. Yeah, so that's, that's 
you know, I mean, even now, you know, we have to, we have to do that too, right? And people. Yeah. Oh, oh to... you cut out now. Now it's oh. your turn to cut out, Debbie. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I was just saying that even, even now, you know, it's something that you always have to be mindful of, right? Is to not, uh, I, I, I kind of came across that, you know, when I was trying to write scripts, mm-hmm. I would have people tell me, you know, what, what to do and what kind of ending and the characters and know this and that and should go this way. And, you know, you kind of realize that everybody's full of shit, right? And you should just do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. But that's sometimes hard. It's hard to get to that point. It's like, I think, I feel like once you get to that point, that's hard fought uh, peace of mind right there. Yeah. yeah. Then you can almost do anything. It is. You start to, you start to realize just because people are older, they're not smarter necessarily. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That was one of the biggest realizations I had at one point. I used to look up to everybody, you know, respect your elders type thing. And yeah. then I started to realize that, oh my God, some of these people are are like more of a kid than I am. Or, or they have the same insecurities. Um, I think we're all just we're all just kids trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I remembered C B D oil. I don't know why I blanked on that. You've heard of C B D oil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter at all, but I just I just had to get it off of my brain. Um, so okay, so going along with all these, is there like a biggest failure or a failure that you've had in your art career? You can pick any whatever iteration of art career you want of something a big failure that hurt really badly at the time, but something that you actually learned from. Um, and if you need a little bit of time, you can take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit all the silence out, Debbie. You know, I don't think that there's like one big thing that's happened. I mean, it was very frustrating when I was submitting a lot of scripts or submitting a lot of, you know, stories to magazines and things like that. I would, you know, get kind of furious every time I got a rejection notice in the mail, you know. Yeah. um, So, and that kind of makes you feel like, you know, you're failing in a way. Mm -hmm. I would just... It, it passed, you know, those things passed. I mean, you have to just, that's a good thing about human beings, right? We're, we're resilient, yes. you know, like, it's like, Thank you God. know, <laughs> you just, like, and I just, I just haven't um, had the hope crushed out of me yet. You know, I'm still expecting <laughs> good things to happen, you know? Yes. I think that might be it. I think that might be the definition of artist expecting good things to happen still, you know what I mean? Or, 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 or one of them, because, I think a lot of people do get that beaten out of them early on and they just go, okay, well, I'm going to just, I'm just going to do this, I guess. And yeah. us artists, we're so, we need to be resilient and we're, we're so stubborn. good at, we're stubborn. We're, we're stubborn. Yes. We're stubborn and we're good at like kind of transmuting all those horrible feelings into something beautiful. Uh, yeah. Whatever beauty, whatever that is, whatever incarnation that is. Like, I think your work is beautiful, but whatever these people were hating on, <laughs> you know, it can know. be that kind of beauty. Well, and it sounds corny, but, you know, you have to believe in yourself or no one else will. You know, it's uh, kind of basic. That's so true. Ah, yes. <laughs> no, it just it feels good to, uh, to hear you say that. Yeah, um, I completely agree. But these are things like a spiritual practice almost. It's not something that you, like one day, it's just like, oh, I got it. It's something you kind of have to keep repeating to yourself because they, they come back. Like, I know sometimes when I'm, putting myself out there with a gallery or whatever, it's like, Oh really? Okay. I'm, I'm feeling this feeling again. Like, haven't I experienced this enough, but it's just a constant reminder. I do think you get better at it 
but yeah, it's a process. I think and, also not to take things personally. Yeah. So it's uh, whether it be with, you know, in, in your work or in your love life or anything, it's, uh, you know, there's a whole other dynamic that's going inside the other person or, you know, what the gallery is looking for at that time or. For sure. So you just have to kind of attribute some of it to that as, as frustrating as it, as it is. Well, and sometimes it's just busyness, right? Like somebody else is busy and you, you kind of inject some other meaning into it. Like, Oh, why aren't they answering me? Or like, they hate my work or blah, blah, blah. But really they're just busy and they haven't had a chance to get back to you or doing these critique groups with the shock box has been, I mean, not critique groups, but um, uh, doing these juried shows has been interesting because it gives you the other perspective. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it makes you re- realize how non-personal it actually is. Like they're right. not rejecting you because they hate your work. Sometimes it was just too many good things or you just, if you're, if the aesthetic had been a, a little bit different, it would have gotten in and they still love your work. So yeah, don't take it personally. Yeah. I mean, I think that relieves a lot of suffering, right? <laughs> it, uh, oh my God. It does for sure. <laughs> well, I feel like I cut you off there. Did, um, did you want to expand on that? Or I have a, I have another question if you want me to roll with it. No, no, go ahead. Okay. So looking forward and positive, where do you see your art in the next five years or, or what do you, what are your goals for the next five years with your art? You know, I've never been a good goal setter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's I okay. Sort of, I just sort of fly by the seat of my pants. Um, okay. Can I, re- can I rephrase? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where do you visualize your art? Like, where do you want to see your art? It, just in the future. It doesn't even have to be five years. Well, I would love to see my art in permanent collections and museums. Yeah. Well, I've been showing in some museums a little bit, and mm-hmm. um, I would love for that to happen. But I guess that that would be a goal. That will happen for sure. I know it. I mean, I, I can see it. That's the next stage. Your work's obviously good enough. You owe, and that, that's a nice segue into, you have a couple of shows that you're participating in currently or, or they're coming soon, right? Did you want to talk about a couple of those? I do. Um, I've got one show happening in San Diego. So there won't be receptions for these shows and the galleries will be open, you know, and monitoring. I guess a couple of people will go in at a time, you mm-hmm. know, if they want to do that. One is in Sparks Gallery, which is okay. in San Diego, and that's going to be um, starting on August 9th. It'll be up for a couple months. And then uh, I've got another show at Bowersock Gallery in Provincetown, and that starts August 7th. Provincetown, where's that? In Massachusetts. Oh, okay, nice. And, it sounded uh, East Coast-ish. Yeah. And then I've got a solo show happening at the Museum of Art and History in Lancaster, and that's starting um, October 13th. I saw that. That's awesome. A couple months, too. So. Um, cool. Amazingly, you know, these things were kind of in place before and being planned before the pandemic um, started. Fucked everything up. And, and, well, <laughs> it, you know, it fucked up some things, but somehow yeah. these things are still. I had, did have a bunch of stuff canceled. Yeah. Things are are managing to stay afloat, and That's we'll good. see if they end up doing you know virtual exhibits or as of now they're planning on doing you know physical exhibits, and um, you know we'll just do the best we can. Right. Talk about talking about resilience, right? Yeah, we're I'm, we're making it happen somehow. We're we're, we're trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I'm looking right here. So the Museum of Art and History at Lancaster. That's October second through November twenty first. 
Uh, that's going to be look, um, October 13th is the date I have. Do you have something different there? <laughs> oh, yeah, on your, on your website. It, maybe it changed. Yeah, October it says October 2nd. But, um, fix my website. Okay, October so, 13th. Yeah. October 13th. Okay, perfect. So not October 2nd, October 13th. And is it, it's going through November, right? It's going through, um, as of now, December 13th. Oh, okay, perfect. So yeah. even push back a little bit. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll be a little bit more uh, conducive to uh, people actually coming in and seeing it in person. And if not, uh, it'll be a hybrid and, you know, right. people will be able to see it virtually or by appointment, right? Right, right. Okay, cool. Well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, you look like you're, it's fun to see, to go over your bio and your exhibitions and stuff because I'm seeing you doing more and more and more each year, which is, uh, which is really cool. Thank you. Thank but, you. Yeah, and it's been progressing. So as long as you're moving forward, it's good. That's all. I completely agree. It's funny because I had a I had a period where I did the opposite, where I was like, I was doing all these shows, and then I was like, you know what, fuck these shows. I'm gonna do um, <laughs> my own thing and just focus on online. So I there was a period where I was like doing two or three exhibitions a year, but uh, I'm starting to get more back into it and, and and striking a balance because really that's that's what we have to have, right? As artists, we gotta have a little bit of a balance. Yeah, I think that's the smart way to go is just to try you know, not to shut any doors. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, cool. It's been so much fun talking to you. It's been fun just for me because we haven't talked in a while and and thanks for sharing everything. Was there anything that I left out that you wanted to talk about really quickly? Um, I don't think so. I think we... <laughs> I think we did a good job today. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, I think we should pat ourselves on the back. We yeah. did a good job. Well, so where can people find you online, Instagram, website, all that, wherever you want to share. Yes, I'll put it in the show notes too. Okay. At Debbie Corbell is the easiest thing for them to do. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and I have a website and on YouTube, PD songwriting. PD songwriting, no mm-hmm. hyphen. Right. And uh, just so for people, because they can't see it, it's D-E-B-B-I-E-K-O-R-B-E-L. So at Debbie Corbell or DebbieCorbell.com. Right. Um, and you got to check out her work. I've been a big fan for a long time. And I can't wait to see uh, your new pieces. Thank you. Thank you. You're so sweet. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah, you. of course. Well, uh, we'll catch up in person one of these days soon, hopefully. Okay. Sounds right. good. Awesome. Thanks, Debbie. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.